Welcome, welcome to Freaked Out with your co-hosts, Liz and Landon. What's up, everybody? So today we are going to have a pretty full episode, including a few updates on a few cases and predictions. So we will discuss that later on in the episode. But before we get into that, last week we dropped the Anna Nicole Smith episode and it was really good. And for those of you who aren't a patron or your membership has expired, please take a listen. Next week we will be posting the second episode of The Highway of Tears. And next week we will also announce the episodes for August. Woohoo! So make sure to stay tuned. Today we will be covering the deaths of Corey Monteith and Naya Riviera. We will not be covering Mark Sailing as Liz doesn't feel comfortable connecting with him. However, with that said, she will be covering the recent events from So You Think You Can Dance with the judge Matthew Morrison and Liz will weigh in on his current situation. I am so excited to dive in. I loved Glee from the moment it came out. It just changed your mood. I remember watching it and just feeling really good, and it had a very good message behind it as well. It was just a feel-good show, and I was also very invested in the characters, especially the Santana character. Corey Allen Michael Monteith was a Canadian actor and a musician best known for his role as Finn Hudson on the Fox television series Glee. As an actor based in British Columbia, Monteith had minor roles on television series before being cast on Glee. During his success on the show, he also acted in films. His film work included Monte Carlo and starring role in Sisters and Brothers. Corey had a troubled adolescence involving substance abuse from the age of 13 and left school at 16. After an intervention by his family and friends, he entered a drug rehabilitation center at age 19. In the 2011 interview with Parade Magazine, he discussed his history of substance abuse as a teen, and in March 2013, he again sought out treatment for addiction. On July 13, 2013, he died of a toxic combination of heroin and alcohol in a Vancouver hotel room. On March 31st, 2013, Corey's publicist announced that he had admitted himself into a treatment facility for substance addiction. He had previously received substance abuse treatment when he was 19, following a history of drug use that began around the age of 13. According to Glee creator Ryan Murphy, Corey's admission to rehab in March resulted from an emergency intervention on the Paramount lot, in which Murphy and other members of the Glee cast and crew urged Corey to accompany doctors to the rehab facility, which had been arranged by the show. Corey agreed and was consequently written out of the final two episodes of Glee's fourth season after being assured that he would still have his job upon return. On April 26, 2013, it was reported that Corey had completed his treatment and at the time of his death, a hotel in Vancouver, Corey was living in Los Angeles where Glee was filmed. On July 13th, Corey was found dead in his room at the Fairmont Pacific Rim Hotel in Vancouver. He was 31 years old. Corey was scheduled to check out that day following a seven-night stay, but when he failed to do so, hotel staff had entered his room and discovered his body around noon. The Vancouver Police Department stated that 
Cause of death was not immediately apparent, but ruled out any foul play. Corey died from a mixture of drug toxicity consisting of heroin and alcohol, and his death appeared to have been accidental. The final report confirmed these findings. It noted that Corey had codeine and morphine in his system at the time of his death and that he was found with drug paraphernalia that include a spoon with drug residue and used needle, as well as two empty bottles of champagne. The coroner wrote that Corey had experienced intermittent periods of drug abuse and abstained throughout his life. And after a period of cessation from opiate drug use, a previously tolerated drug concentrate level can become toxic and fatal. Corey began working with American actress Leah Michelle in 2008 when they were cast as love interests on Glee. In early 2012, the media reported that they had began dating. They remained together until his death a year and a half later. In December 2013, a few months after Corey's death, Leah Michelle stated that he was a very private person. Michelle has released a number of songs about Corey since his death. These include If You Say So, which Michelle began writing a week after his death and references the last words he said to her, which were, hey you, a follow-up to If You Say So. So the first question is, why was Leah in Mexico vacationing with friends while he was in Canada? Well, there's a lot to say, and I absolutely love Leah Michelle and find her super talented. I always have. He shows me that there was a lot that the public didn't know about his life. He said that he really kept things private. Uh, Leah wanted to do a little bit more in-depth information on their personal life, and he didn't want to do any of that. The main reason for that was that he wasn't interested in people knowing his business. He hated social media and doing things publicly. He tried to stay away from it as much as he possibly could. He said that at the time in their relationship, well, most of it, it was problematic behavior surrounding the drugs, surrounding being able to not lose control. He showed me that he could hide it very well. He had a good poker face. But when there were many signs that started to progress for those in the background, including Michelle, he shows me that she was in the background being super supportive of him. But I have to be honest, he wasn't able to hide it as well from her anymore. She was sort of picking up the signs at this point. She expressed her concern to him. His behavior was not good at the time, and he became too much to deal with. I believe that when he ended up in rehab, they were dealing with his stunts more and more publicly, with the staff of the Glee, of course. And the good news is that the Glee staff was really like a family, and from what he shows me, they all will take his story to their graves. He shows me he feels so bad for all of them having to carry these burdens on their shoulders, but they loved him so much that they didn't look at it that way. He shows me that when him and Leah were supposed to go on their own separate vacation, she was very much under the impression that he was doing better. Now, she did feel him slipping a bit, but she did decide to give him the benefit of the doubt. She also was dealing with a lot with him, and she kind of sort of ignored it, not on purpose, more so so that she didn't have to basically deal with it anymore. She carried on her way to her trip with her friends, and since she had been working super hard, he shows me that she deserved that time off. He said that they were rocky at that time for sure, and she was putting on a brave face for him. She was kind of already breaking inside from his passing. 
Now, he shows me that she feels pretty responsible for going to Mexico. He says it was not her fault and she stuck by him. Even though she was also mentally struggling, she kept her pain hidden from him most of the time, not to interfere with his recovery. She did not know that this wasn't forever and she was going to stick by him for better or worse. I feel like he used to tell her he wanted to die when he was on the drugs and so she was already worried about him mentally. She also needed a break and he seemed to be doing pretty okay like I had said before. He shows me that he had to make sure that he wore his mask a little better around her and the last few days basically leading up to his death he was doing so. He shows me that he already had planned to go on a bender when he was out there. It wasn't planned initially, and he decided not to tell a soul about anything or communicate with anyone who had anything drug-related until he was there. There were rumors that Corey was gay and that Leah Michelle was his beard. Was there any truth to this? <laughs> he laughs about that. He said that if he was gay... He may be a little bit smoother, but he said no, he wasn't. He loved women, and he said if he was gay, he would have been out. He said that his trauma didn't come from his sexual orientation, but his mother and his father and their bullshit between them. A lot of wild stories surrounding this life with mom, apparently. His mother kept him from his father and even at his funeral was not invited to it. How does he feel about his mom being bitter about his father still to this day? What does he have to say about it? Same old, same old. He says he's so tired of the nonsense and he wishes that she was able to put her nonsense away long enough for the father to be part of his passing. He said that he thought his mother would at least see that he needed this. Dad involved, he needed that, and she never did. In her mind, she was just doing the best for him, but in reality, she was not. And in fact, hindering him and sheltering him so much so that he burst out of his life as soon as he was old enough to do so. And that's when he found his street family. He said he doesn't blame them for his death. He just blames them for the trigger. He said that he had a hard time coping with his childhood and it runs pretty deep. He said that his mother spent most of her time talking about his father and how much of a piece of shit he was, and he just sat there and would listen to it, and meanwhile, he started to get older, and all the lies his mother put out there, he was starting to see from a different perspective. He wasn't happy about it. He said that his mother isn't a bad person. He said that she just handled the breakup pretty childlike and she still isn't over it and won't look past it. She even blames his father for his death and he really wishes that she wouldn't. Can you please give us a visual of what took place with Corey the night of his death? Well, uh, he showed me that he had uh, many, many meetings for like the entire week that he was there. Meet and greets with people that he had been talking to about work-related gigs and perhaps even something more to do with visiting family members as well. I don't know if he had seen his mother, but he shows me that he was craving his old life in BC. He finished up his meetings, his calls to his family, maybe even speaking to Leah Michelle, and I feel like he decided to take a walk downtown last day, of course. I, maybe he even cabbed it, but he shows me it was dark outside and that there was an alleyway. The people that he used to hang out with either lived on the streets or pretty close to the poverty level, and he walked to his old stomping ground. He showed me he felt a sense of belonging there, even though he knew that these people were not the best for him 
but they always welcomed him. He showed me that maybe four to six people that he knew were there and a lot more new faces around, including new dealers. He said he had to come to get just a little for the night, but he had seen that these people needed money. So from what I can see, he gave them a pretty sizable amount of money for them, maybe like two grand. I'm not entirely sure. But based on the amount he gave, he said that he basically gave them a very generous tip and he didn't get that many drugs, at least in his perspective. He also shows me that he was trying to get them food and a place to lay their heads down. I even feel like he invited a few of his regular friends back to the hotel to hang out with him. But from the sounds of it, he gave them information, maybe even cash to get there later. And basically, he headed back to the hotel. Can you tell us what happened when he died? I will give you everything uh, he shows me. He said he got something to eat. I even feel like he took a little walk down the street to get himself something to eat. Like, I feel like it was like some sort of hot dog vendor. I'm not 100% sure. I feel like he didn't eat much. He shows me he was walking back to the hotel. He had already given his friends his hotel room number, and he was basically waiting for them to appear. And from the sounds of it, he was going to wait for them before he started his little drug session. But looks like they were nowhere to be seen and started basically going in on it without them. He shows me he did two sessions, and from the sounds of it, he had already taken too much the first time. That second time, he wasn't as high as he would have liked to have been when he started the second time and went for it again round two. But from what I can see, as soon as he started his second round of it, he died about 20 minutes later. He shows me he didn't expect it to happen, and he shows me that he tried to look for a way to find help, but he said he was barely moving. He wasn't strong enough to figure out how to use his phone. Sadly, his friends never showed up. Looks like they could have potentially saved his life if they did. Uh, he said it was terrible, and he even experienced a ghost of death, which I've heard people explain this to me before. Can you explain a little bit more to the viewers who don't understand? What is the ghost of death? From what I've heard from spirits who've passed on, basically something wasn't like a natural cause, like suicide or an accidental death. Some people are meant to die in tragic ways, but some aren't. And he being one of those spirits, he explains that there was like a dark shadowy figure before him, before he passed on. And he said it was kind of scary. But he shows me that the shadow tells him it wasn't his time or something like that. I'm not too sure to be honest, but he said it took him about a year to cross over. He said he wasn't ready to leave. He also was so disturbed about how he left the earth and ashamed. He had a lot of major shame behind it. He isn't someone who likes to speak on his private life, but he also doesn't want the wrong story out there at this point either. He said he didn't suffer either. He did have a rapid heartbeat and he was in and out of consciousness. And he said that the drugs helped with the pain he may have felt too. I assume that he had all the champagne glasses out and everything around for his expected guests then. Pretty much. It was that quick. He feels horrible about it and how much his family and friends were hurting. He feels terrible about it all. And he also didn't realize how much people actually loved him. He shows me that he felt that after he passed on. And he also thought people were just being nice to him when he was alive. Misty Alyssa asks if Corey is happy for Leah Michelle. Oh, he really, really is happy for her. 
The last thing he wanted to do was hurt her. He said that she was so good to him, even when she didn't have to be. She was very focused on her life and her life plan, and she had, like, the five-year plan. He said that her husband is a A-OK kind of guy, and he also said that her son is beautiful. He said that he looks just like what he thought he would look like. He will be her twin a little later on. Is there anything else he wants to add before we move on to Naya? He just wants those in recovery to take it seriously. Even if you are forced into it, he says, I'm not going to give you an after-school special type of speech, but he says that it's the best advice he can give. He says he gets it more than you will ever know, but seriously, take it serious. Well, we are only halfway through and we have so much more to cover. We will now be moving on to Naya. On July 8th, 2020, Naya was declared a missing person after her four-year-old son, Josie, was found alone in Riviera's rented boat at Lake Piru, a reservoir in Los Padres National Forest in Ventura Country, California. Naya had been visiting the lake for years and was considered a strong swimmer. The search for both Riviera and Josie had begun at 4 p.m., three hours after they left the dock, when their rental was over and they had not returned. Josie was found alone, asleep on the boat with his life jacket on around 5 o'clock. Josie told the investigators that he and his mother were swimming when she told him to get back onto the boat. Police reports state that he recalled that she had helped him climb back into the boat and was unable to climb back on board herself and then disappeared underwater. While Ryan Dorsey's lawsuit claims that Josie Dorsey climbed unaided while his mother struggled to do the same, both accounts state that he watched his mother reaching up and calling out for help. He searched for a rope on the boat to help while she was struggling. He also stated that his mother was not wearing a life jacket. The next day, the Ventura County Sheriff's Office confirmed to NBC that Naya was presumed dead and the rescue efforts should shift to recovery efforts. On July 11th and 12th, Riviera's parents, stepfather, brother, ex-husband Ryan, and close friends and co-star Heather Morris joined the search team at the lake. On July 13th, it was announced that a body had been found by divers in the lake when search resumed in the morning. The body was confirmed to be Riviera's at a press conference held later that day. The sheriff suggested that Riviera and Josie may have found themselves caught in a rip current and struggled to get back to the boat, saying that she likely mustered enough energy to save her son, but not enough to save herself. What a terrible story. I really feel her so much, too. I was very drawn to her character, and I liked her much more than I did most characters. Glee was one of the first shows who had a few openly gay characters in it and trans character. And it was just so great and one of those first ones that made my life a little bit more comfortable to live. She played the character Santana very well. Let's get right to it. First question for Naya is, what happened the day she went missing? I can't even wrap my mind around what I'm about to say, but here goes. Her son and her were having their normal trip and having a relaxing time and even enjoying the sun. She said that she was just hanging out with her son. She shows me that she normally did not wear a life vest. And she said that she was really not too worried about it either. 
She shows me that she was out there and the boat got a little too far from them. But interestingly enough, she also kind of mentioned that in the back of her mind, she was hearing that she should wear one. And from what I see, her son started to panic because she shows me that she started pushing him along to get him back to the boat. From what she shows me, he was freaking out a little bit, started to cry, getting upset, and she shows me she had to hold him and paddle. She was pretty much out of juice, even halfway back to the boat, and she made it with the last ounce left in her. She barely made it back to the boat with her son, and when she did, she couldn't even lift him up. She pushed him over her shoulders and told him that she would be right behind him. She couldn't get back in. She did ask him to get her the rope, but I feel like as he was kind of searching for it, she told me she was getting a little tired and starting to get a little sick and she felt dizzy. She was passing in and out of consciousness and couldn't breathe at all. She shows me that she even swallowed a ton of water and had tummy cramps as well. She couldn't catch her breath or even be able to grab onto the boat properly. She passed out and drowned. She shows me that she was at least sleeping when she drowned. And because she shows me that if she wasn't passed out, it would have been painful. She said that she pretty much exploded from the inside out and how she describes this popping moment of her death. She said that when she was sleeping, she was floating out of her body and she didn't even know that it wasn't a dream and she just kind of left her body, but she basically remembers seeing her body drowning. Yikes, that sounds terrible. She's very descriptive with her details and tells me like play-by-plays. Now here's what I think is really cool. As soon as she left her body, she went right into mama mode. What did she do? She checked on her baby, her reason to live and die. She shows me she made sure to keep him safe. She did everything she could to make him noticeable. Even in death, she did everything she could. She shows me she was swimming for a while. I feel like it could have been two hours, maybe. Swimming two hours while carrying her son and crying, just trying to remain calm for him. I couldn't even imagine the pressure she went through to do all that. But that's the power of mom. She shows me she still worries about him, of course, but that's to be expected. He will later blame himself for her passing if he hasn't already, but he has an amazing support system to tell him otherwise. Have Corey and Naya gotten the chance to hang out together? Oh yeah, they are both close. She shook her head at him and then she hugged him, but they do see each other. And from the sounds of it, they had some fun times with each other. I feel like they have this like witty banter back and forth, kind of like they did in Glee. And they basically had that in real life too. Always teasing each other and the butt of her jokes as well. But he loved it and he loved her too. She shows me that he also visits their old cast members often to say what's up. Naya is more so the one who spends time with the cast more so than Corey. She is always hanging out near her son's bed, watching him sleep. She said that she did that when she was alive, too. She said she never missed it so much, and she said that she'll keep doing it every night. She also shows me a little baby girl, so I'm not sure who she is. I don't believe she's her own child, but from what I'm feeling, I get that maybe a miscarriage, perhaps from a cast member, but it's not her information to give. I think she just wants them to know that she's with her sometimes. Do either Corey or Naya have any information they would like to give us before we let them go? This is more Corey than Naya, but from the sounds of it, he just wants Leah Michelle to know that he sees her son often. 
He always dreamed of having a baby boy with her. And he said that he will keep on being the best guide anyone could ever ask for. He also said he shows the little glee signs all over the place to remind people he's still walking the hallways in high school all over. He's still singing and he hopes everyone can continue to listen and watch. And he and Naya are also so happy that they have glee to be remembered for. Thank you for that, Liz. I know you really love glee. And I know that was a really special one for you to do as you felt close to the characters. A genuine joy for me. Well, I'm not sure if you're aware of the recent allegations towards Matthew Morrison. Recently, the show So You Think You Can Dance just premiered after taking a break of three years and they had JoJo, Matthew, and Twitch. One of the contestants that was cut from the show had made allegations of flirty texts that Matthew had sent to them and took them to the show's producer. They ended up letting go of him with sufficient enough proof to let him go. I believe a few weeks later, Morrison and his wife took to social media and showed everyone what was sent to the contestant, which was one text message that said, Hey, it's Matthew. If you don't mind, would love to get your number and talk to you through some things. We are pretty invested in the show this year, so Liz wanted to give her predictions of what really happened. I felt this so important to discuss because I felt so much of this situation. It is so incredibly wrong. First and foremost, I understand why Matthew said the stuff he said on social media and what he didn't say as well. The woman who made these accusations was a huge fan of his, and I feel like she really, really liked him a lot. I believe they may have had small interactions between the two while filming, and I feel like the interactions were always around groups of people, including his wife. I feel like this girl lives inside of her head and is pretending something bigger was happening, but in reality, nothing did, which drives me crazy. Men already think we're fucking crazy, and then we go out there and put it out there that this man who's in the face of television and has a few roles and doing pretty well in his life, married with small kids and genuinely in love, no one gives a shit about how this would affect his family or his job or even his future work ventures. Now he will never, ever want to help someone out again because he may get accused of something. What also pisses me off is that she gets to tell whatever she wants, whomever she wants, and no one even knows who the hell it is. It's not fair. So now I'm coming on here to call her bullshit. She made it up so badly. I feel like when he rejected her, which, by the way, he didn't, I feel like she came up to him and said something like she was a huge fan and it was nice to meet him. I even feel like she went even as far to say that he was the one reason she became a dancer. And I see that him and his wife were leaving or getting ready to go. And I believe that like triggered her. She sounds like she is pretty, pretty out there. <sighs> right? I feel like when her and Matthew were talking, he remembered to send her a message, which is the exact message he had showed the world. She took that and I even feel like she used a texting app or something along those lines to make it look like he was hitting on her. And that was basically her revenge for rejecting her. 
I'm glad he came out and defended himself on this. Right? Me too. It at least makes people kind of doubt her side of the story and make people at least question things a little more. Do you have any predictions on how this will play out for him? Yes, I do. I see that he's going to get a really good gig to redeem himself. Might even be something with music and dancing. I feel like this girl will one day be named a little bit, but I don't know when. I also feel like everyone will eventually believe him, and I don't see him going back to So You Think You Can Dance, sadly. I feel like he will be okay, though. He may not be getting some jobs at the moment, but he also had a pretty big role on American Horror Story. I wouldn't be surprised if they asked him to come back at some point. I feel like he will get more gigs like that eventually. I hope everyone shares the shit out of this episode so that we can all clear his name a little more louder. Which is also another reason I made sure to make this episode public. So guys, do your thing. Share and talk about it. Absolutely. Next week, guys, we will be doing part two of The Highway of Tears. We did part one last month. And we will give you guys all the details. We will also announce what is to come for the month of August. Until next time, guys, stay freaked out.